In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. On the 16th of March, every year in the city of Rome, there is uh, a little pilgrimage. It's not advertised. There's no posters. Um, I doubt even anyone mentions it on Facebook in Italy. It commemorates the site of a miracle worked by our Lord through St. Philip Neri in the year 1683. St. Philip Neri, of whom popes have said, if I had 10 of him, I would convert the whole city. Known as the Apostle of Rome and known as the Apostle of Joy, St. Philip Neri befriended everyone, rich and poor. It was on the 16th of March that he was alerted that the young son, 14-year-old son, of a family only a few blocks away was gravely ill. And even though the saint rushed to his bedside, the boy had already died by the time St. Philip Neri arrived. He thought that all he had left to offer were prayers, and so he prayed for the boy, but he also called out his name, Paolo. Paolo Massimo is his name. And Paolo sat up and came back from the dead and spoke to his spiritual father and said that he still had a sin to confess. The saint heard his complete confession and they actually spoke for some time, for about a half an hour. And the family members um, of the Masimi were, were able to be present and to see their beloved um, no longer dead. But then when he was finished with his spiritual father and finished preparing for heaven, he lay back down and was returned into the loving arms of God and died his physical death. The palazzo, which in Italian means palace, but it doesn't conjure up the right image for you in your head. A palazzo in Italy probably looks very plain on the outside, big square building, but on the inside it would be magnificent. Beautiful courtyard, um, maybe a fountain, um, covered walkways. Well, this palazzo fits that description. On the outside it's dingy and almost filthy. And it's closed every day of the year, except for on March 16th, the doors open. The day before, usually you'll see someone scraping or cleaning or sweeping out in front of the door. American seminarians would know it only because it happens to be a few doors down from where McDonald's used to be. But otherwise, they would just know it as a, one of those dingy buildings that's just never open. But on the 16th of March, pilgrims come in from all over the city and just pack this room where the miracle happened. It's smaller than the sanctuary and there are several altars and masses are going simultaneously all day long. It's so full, they obviously have no need of advertising and trying to encourage more people to go. So outside of Rome, very few people know about it. 
Imagine how much someone has to love God to be grateful that they get to die twice. Imagine how much Lazarus loved our Lord that he, he, he didn't protest. You have the power to save me from death. Why didn't you come earlier? Some of the naysayers were already complaining about that. Supposedly, he has the power. Why doesn't he do something? <clears throat> Consider what is our potential downfall if we were to receive such a gift. We would only rejoice if we truly love heaven. If hope for us doesn't mean a sentimental optimism that things are going to get better, but when real theological hope is what gives us joy in thinking of the future, hope in the fulfillment of God's promise of being with him in heaven forever. As we do the Stations of the Cross during Lent, it's somewhere around 9 or 10, maybe, a, maybe the 11th station when St. Alphonsus Liguori puts on our lips some very simple words that we should today perhaps make more explicit. That we offer up our death and all of the pains that will go with it for the glory of God and the salvation of souls. Owing to the miracle of St. Philip Neri for Paolo Massimo back on the 16th of March, 1683, when I'm brought to the bedside of someone who's passed away, I pray, but I also bid the Lord to, to bring them back if they need to be forgiven of a sin. Or when I'm brought to the bedside of someone who's, who's dying or is gravely ill, I pray both that they might be healed, that the power of God will be on display for everyone to see because of how this person has been assisted by the grace of God, or that the manner in which they suffer and die manifests the power of God, that truly the only way someone could have been like that under such under such suffering is evidence that God was here. Either in our health or in our, or in our passing, we can manifest the glory of God. What he visits upon us will depend on what's good for our salvation and what's good for the salvation of others. If, if you're like me, chances are if you received even a fraction of the things you asked for in prayer, you'd become filled with pride and vanity and be boastful about all the great things that God did for you. It's for good reason that God gives us what's, what's, what benefits us. 
Hopefully we can grow in humility and self-denial so that God can lavish even greater gifts on us knowing that they won't be, they won't be misused, misapplied. Every year at confirmation time, I usually encourage our young brothers and sisters not to ask for a specific gift of the Holy Spirit. Certainly they'll have their favorites or they'll have the ones that they think are, are meant for them. Rather, I ask them to make a promise to God that whatever gift you give me, I will use for the salvation of others. I will use for your glory. I won't use it to pat myself on the back. So our walking with Christ these next few weeks can help us grow in humility that the power of God may be more evident to others, even if we don't see it ourselves. And even specifically, that as we walk the last steps of our life, we will have already offered up our death. And all of the pain and all of the sorrow for the purification of sin, the salvation of souls, and the glory of God. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.